Oh God, that's what we want more than anything else. Beyond the tinsel, beyond the glitter, beyond it all, that the dear Christ might enter in. As we pause for a moment longer, lingering here in this Noel sanctuary, take that old, old story and draw our lives as we live it on the eve of 2001 into its tale. We listen for the voice of the one we worship. In his name we pray. Amen. Does it ever strike you as a bit odd, the family that God chose for his home away from home down here? My friend Don Wilson was down in Florida before the election and was driving down a highway somewhere in that great sunshine state when he saw a billboard. Now, if you've been to Florida, you know that that, uh, Orlando, it's all you see on the horizon, just billboard after billboard after billboard. I don't know where it was Don took this picture that he sent to me, but Knowing as he did that we were here this fall in the middle of our, our uh, fall series on human sexuality in the third millennial family, Don said, this, I got I to get a picture of this and send it to Dwight. And so he pulled the car over, pulled his camera out and snapped. Gave me the picture when he came back from Florida. I wish we could put it up on our, our uh, big screen, but my PowerPoint designer is taking a much needed vacation with his wife down in his homeland of Brazil, where it is summer today. And so, Kleber is not here. So, you can't even... If we pull the camera in as close as we could pull it, all you could see is that it is simply a huge highway-side billboard. It's a gray billboard, big gray. In the background, if you look carefully at the billboard, some are pink and some are blue. Little spermatozoa. The male reproductive cells. Huge question atop the cross, uh, atop, yeah, atop and across the billboard. In giant white letters, who's the father? Question mark. Then underneath a telephone number toll free that you might call 1-800-DNA-TYPE. 1-800-DNA-TYPE. Obviously, it is an organization that is making the offer for a small price, I assume. Do you have any questions about who might be the paternal source of the life you either are carrying or have given birth to, Mama? Call our number. We have tests to find out just who is the father. Now, Don sent it to me. He said, you know, Dwight, this is, rather a, this is a rather sad social commentary on life in these United States these days. And then underneath it, smaller letters, www.identagene.com. Who's the father? I think think of the Christmas story. And I think of that great silent hero in the story who would have loved to be able to pick up the phone 2,000 years ago and dial 1-800-DNA-type. I mean, hello, operator. 
Hey, operator, I need your help. I understand you do this kind of a thing. Listen, my fiancé and I engaged, obviously, to be married. We have no operator. We have never had sexual relations at all. Now, you're not going to believe this operator, but she is telling me God is the Father. Is there a test you can do for this? When you live the Christmas story through the heart and mind of Joseph, a whole new perspective begins to emerge. A fresh new appreciation for the man God chose to be his stepfather. I want to repeat the question at the beginning. Doesn't it strike you a bit odd? I mean, look, God could have chosen any family or any family system arrangement he wished to. But he would choose this arrangement. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have a problem with the virgin birth. I don't understand the virgin birth. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to me. You would not want to pick a fertile, if I might use the word fertile, childbearing, already has children and can have more mother to be the mother of, of, of the Son of God. Would you? No, because everybody said, well, hey, what do you mean? It look just like the kids. You would have to pick a virgin. If you wanted to make certain, there would be no question about the progenity of this child. But what I don't understand is, hey, come on, God. I mean, why didn't you pick a young, virile, virile young man? Never been married before. Why didn't you pick a young man? First, first marriage. That would be perfect. He'd be strong. He'd be handsome. He'd be just right for the story of all stories. You say, well, come on, Dwight, how do you know that he didn't do just that? Well, I tell you what, my friends, if you take a look at the gospel stories, plural, the New Testament evidence can very carefully lead us to deduce that, in fact, Joseph had been married before. He is an older man, and he brings to his second marriage a family already in progress. I want to share with you just, just, just a brief excursion for a moment. Open your Bible. We'll get to the Christmas story in one second. But in the Gospel of St. Mark, many people are surprised to see this verse. Because, you know, people don't read the Gospels through anymore. They just you know, hope a preacher will make his way somehow through the book. But this is a text never preached on. Mark chapter 6. Take a look at verse 3. Very interesting because the whole... The, 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 the babe of Bethlehem, the Christ child, has now grown up. He has begun his public ministry. Mark is the only gospel that has no Christmas story in it all. Just boom, let's start off with the main theme. So Jesus now is coming home to his hometown of Nazareth. This is the hometown boy coming home to make good. Everybody's out to hear him. This is the itinerant preacher. This is the itinerant healer. This is the master, as some are calling him. So they all crowd into the little synagogue in Nazareth. And I've been to Nazareth. And I've seen the very well that they say is still the spring from whence Mary drew her water. How we know, of course, is to be debated. But here in Nazareth, Jesus has come back and the people exclaim in verse 3, Hey, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So ladies and gentlemen, right off the bat, we know he had a family. James and Joseph and Judas, not to be confused with Judas Iscariot, and Simon and also sisters. How many sisters? We don't know, but it's plural. It's at least two. 
Now, how, Dwight, how can you be sure that these weren't children born to Mary and Joseph after the birth of Jesus? I'll tell you why. Three reasons why I believe they are not children born after the birth of Christ. Reason number one, whenever Jesus and his brothers interact in the Gospels, they are always behaving like older brothers. By that I mean very bossy, very opinionated, and very curt. You say, how do you know an older brother behaves that way? I am one, that's why. I know. We older brothers are that way. Hey, kid, do this. Now, it's always with love in our voices that we issue those orders. But you know how it is. And when you bump into Jesus' brothers who are giving him some express commands in John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, they are saying, hey, boy, listen, you need some, you need some lessons in marketing. You can't be hiding off here off the beaten path. You've got to get down to Jerusalem. There's big stuff happening. The crowds are there. Prove yourself. We not, we're not sure ourselves, but you prove yourself. Do a few miracles. They behave, number one, the brothers behave like older brothers. Number two, if Mary and Joseph had had children, this is a little uh, more of a deduction, but if Mary and Joseph had had children, Egypt or post-Egypt, there is absolutely no breath, no breath about those children. But this is the clincher for me, number three. We go to the final Moments before Christ's expiration. As he hangs pinned against that Roman cross, and you remember it's designed to bring on spastic strangulation of the breathing process. It's asphyxiation. You will die of asphyxiation on a Roman cross. Christ, just before he dies, you remember, he chokes out the air and he says, Woman, he's talking to his mother. Tears streaming down that face. Woman! He can't point with his arms. They are nailed in that wide open embrace. He has to move with his eyes or his head. And he moves toward the youngest of his disciples, who is John Boy. And he points at him and he says, Behold your son. And then he looks. He moves his head. So he's looking John in the eye, and he doesn't call him son, he doesn't call him brother, he just says, Behold, your mother. Ladies and gentlemen, if they had had children after Jesus, there would have been no question who takes over mama now. Now, all she's got are stepkids. You can understand the investment of stepchildren in a mother is not as significant as the flesh and blood. And so he says, I'm gone. Take care of my mother for me. No. It is strange. This family that God chooses for the grand Christmas entry. He chooses a widower to become the husband of the mother and the stepfather of the Messiah. And you know, as I have brooded and pondered over that choice that God obviously made, it hit me. Wait a minute. God... You are brilliant. That was a divine choice. I'd like to share with you three reasons why I believe that was the only choice to have made. Because when God chooses a stepfather, He signals He needs someone whose heart has already been enlarged by paternal love. That heart is already huge. Six kids already. The heart is big. Number one, God chooses someone whose heart is already enlarged by paternal love. Number two, God needs a dad. God needs a father who is experienced in child rearing and boy training. 
I want to tell you something. There is no more inexperienced human creature on earth than a first-time dad. I testify to that. I mean, look, you, you, when, when it comes to changing the diaper, you're all thumbs. When it comes to raising down the hall because of that wailing coming out of that bedroom crib, you're all left feet. Papas are simply horrible at experience. Now, mother, what is it? Mother knows. Mother knows. And it's as if she were born for this moment. But God said, no, 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 no. Hey, we may have a brand new mother here, but I'm not going for a brand new father. I want a James Dobson kind of dad. Got four boys by name, at least two girls, two daughters, six kids of experience. Hey, look, I don't need a perfect father. I'll be the perfect father. I just need someone. I need a dad who will father in my place. It occurs to me, fathers who are here today listening on the radio or here in person, it occurs to me, gentlemen, that in fact, God's desire is still the same for all His children on earth. I need a dad who will father in my place. Papa, father in His place. Number one, he needed someone whose heart had already been enlarged by paternal love. Number two, he needed, a, he needed a dad who was experienced in child rearing and boy training. And finally, number three, God says, I need a stepfather. i, I got to have a stepfather who's already been in the journey with me, whose heart is already loyal to me. In fact, he is more loyal to me than he will be to his wife, than he will be to that child. He is loyal first to me. Joseph is the silent hero in the Christmas story. He never speaks a word. In fact, his entire biography, captured in these four Gospels, nary a single word comes from his lips. He's always shown listening and then obeying. Every time you see him, he listens and then he does. It it emerges so poignantly... In the major section of the gospel, all four gospels actually, that is devoted to Joseph. We read it in our scripture, plus there's more. So go to the gospel of St. Matthew now. This is our Christmas narrative right here. Matthew chapter 1. We read it just a moment ago with Carol. I want to go back to that passage. It's amazing to me every time I read Matthew 1 and 2. And you're going to count how many dreams Joseph gets in these first two chapters. I'm amazed because this dreamer, he not only dreams the dream, but he always obeys the dream. I know people who are great at getting dreams around here. But you know what? Following through with the dream, it's a whole other ball game for some people. It's easy to dream the dream, to obey the dream. But Joseph is obedient to the dreams. And what comes over me is that, in fact, Joseph has this intuitive connection with the divine. They're just, they're just a proclivity. They're, they're just a bias. They're just a, his heart is drawn to God and he, he never argues when God comes talking to him. I love, I love Joseph. He's the silent hero. But oh my, what a hero he ought to be for us all. The stepfather of the Messiah. Okay, let's go to the first dream. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus. Genesis. In the Greek, from whence comes our word Genesis. The Genesis of Jesus goes like this. 
Jesus the Messiah took place in this way when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, God already checked. He went through all his files. He said, I got to have somebody who's already loyal to me. So we already know right off the bat that Joseph is, is a right doer in his allegiance to God. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling, bless his heart, he isn't going to shame her. You know, harking back to a family life sermon that Karen and I shared a, a few Sabbaths ago, you know, he, a, a couple never embarrasses the other. Ever. In public. He's not going to shame her. If you love that spouse, you will never shame him in public. You will never shame her. He's not going to shame her. He's going to do it very quietly. But verse 20, just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, in the middle of the night, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son. And you, you, Joseph, not Mary, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is from Yahshua. And Yahshua in the Hebrew means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is my Savior. And so, verse 24, when Joseph awoke from the sleep, from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. He is obedient to his dreams. How many dreams does he have? Count them with you. Let's go now to dream number two. Everybody loves Matthew 2. We're going to skip the three wise men. You know, there were three. We don't know. Three gifts, that's why we say three. We'll skip the story of jealous, volatile, childish Herod. And move on down to the wise men who come into the house and they fall down. They've been following this star for weeks now. They know this is He whom they have searched. They go, they go in verse 12. Now, after verse 13, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Here comes dream number two. An angel appeared to him in a dream and said, Hey, quick, get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Reminds me of the of the uh, school teacher who, getting near the Christmas holidays, decided to invite the kids. All right, art class. Everybody draw a picture of Christmas. And so they're drawing pictures of Christmas. There's Jesus in the little manger box, the box of cow feet. Oh, there's the... Oh, good, Susie. There's the star. Oh, Billy drew the three wise men. And so on and so on. But little Johnny holds up a picture. Teacher says, Johnny, I said Christmas pictures. Johnny has a picture of a huge jet plane, four people on it. Teacher says, Johnny, I said, teacher, it is a Christmas. What is it? Teacher said, this is Joseph and Mary and Jesus on their flight to Egypt. <laughs> oh, the teacher said, what is it with these kids these days? He said, Johnny, okay, so you have Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Who's the fourth person? It's Pontius the pilot. Well, there were only three on that flight to Egypt. The angel comes, hey boy, get up, go. And I love this about Joseph. Again, dream number two, verse 14. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, that very night, and went to Egypt, instant obedience, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord to the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. 
Now, if the story stopped right there, as the Christmas story does, wow, two dreams, but there are more. Go on. Herod decimates. What a tragic story. Decimates two and under in the little town of Bethlehem that today has no peace, by the way. They just had to cancel some of the Christmas festivities because of the contention and the fighting. Peace on earth, not in Bethlehem in the year 2000 A.D. So, Bethlehem is decimated. Then, verse 19, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Here comes dream number three. Get up and take the child and his mother. Go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Again, does he obey? Oh, instantly, verse 21, Joseph got up, the silent hero, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. Hallelujah, the wicked witch is dead. But they get back to Israel and Joseph does some political uh, calculations. Verse 22, and when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there. I wonder if I really should go. And God comes through. Here it comes. Dream number four. And after being warned in a dream, you are right to follow your gut sense. Stepdad, I knew I could count on you. You are right on. Follow your hunch. The word comes. Go farther north. And so Joseph went away to the district of Galilee and he made his home in a town called Nazareth. So that what had been spoken of him by the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Ladies and gentlemen, God says, I need a stepdad. I, I, I want a, an enlarged paternal heart. And I need somebody with boy-rearing experience. But I need a stepfather who is loyal to me. And by the way, Joseph is not only loyal to the Lord, he is loyal to the law of the Lord. And it's when we put the Lucan account of Christmas with Matthew's story that that emerges because they take Jesus to be circumcised. They take Jesus days later to be dedicated, as it says in Luke 2, according to the law. And in fact, later on in Luke 2, it says when Jesus was 12, his parents who went to the festival regularly already, according to the law. You know, the story about Jesus getting lost in Jerusalem. Joseph was not only loyal to the Lord, he was loyal to the law of the Lord. In fact, I have to do this. I want you to go to Luke 2 and notice how stepfather, because I have some stepdads who are listening right now. Notice how the stepfather models and mentors obedience to his stepson. This is Luke chapter 2. It's just one line, but oh my, this silent hero of the Christmas story who's been loyal to the Lord and loyal to the law of the Lord is modeling. Papa, everything you do in front of that child is modeling. Everything you do. Everything. Yay or nay, it's still modeling. And notice how Jesus responds. Verse 51, after the trip to Jerusalem, Luke 2. Then he, Jesus, went down. It's always down from Jerusalem, whether you go north, south, east or west. Jerusalem is the summit of earth in their minds. They went north. They went down with them and came to Nazareth. And notice this. He was obedient to them. Oh no, only, I'm only going to obey my mother. Only mom, I'm only going to obey my mother because mother is really my flesh and blood. No, 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 no. Stepfather, yep. He was obedient to them both. Joseph has modeled to Jesus a life of obedience, and Jesus has learned. Hebrews 5 says, the Son of God learned obedience. He learned. 
I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, the condescension of God. You think about it. It says Jesus obeyed them. To become a child, for God Himself, to become a human child and then to be subject to His creatures and obey the creatures He created. The condescension of a love that was that passionate to get close to the likes of you and me. I don't understand. How can you understand it? We sing of it in the carols. We try to grasp it. it it's utterly beyond us. Jesus and His stepfather, look at this. Jesus and His stepfather were like this. We know that the stepfather died before Jesus began his public ministry. It's clear. There is no mention of Joseph. He died sometime during Christ's adult, young adulthood. NBC television this last uh, spring came out with a, a made-for-television movie that I watched called Mary the Mother of Jesus. In fact, I taped it on our VCR. It's, it's the life of Christ from the perspective of Mary. Now, there are not always historical uh, uh, strong parallelisms, but it, it is a fairly accurate in terms of the flow of Christ's life. But there is a very touching scene at the death of Joseph. Now, you and I say, well, of course Joseph died, and I'm sure Mary was sad, and Jesus was. And, you know, we, we, we just kind of, we go through it. But when you pause over that f filmmaker's dramatization of that moment, suddenly you realize that there is a depth here. This silent hero who has shared the mysteries with Mary as no other human being could. That's the way it is in a marriage. Your husband shares with you what no other human being can share. Your wife shares with you what no other human being dare know. That's the way it is when Mary comes to the deathbed of Joseph. It's a tender scene. I recorded it, so we've got one generation now. I'm going to play it up on the screen for you. It's, it's a death scene. There isn't a lot of conversation, but I must tell you, for me, and I've played it over and over and just looked at it, it's very poignant. As Jesus Himself bursts into tears upon the death of His stepfather. And so let, let, let's uh, roll the tape here and see what, see what you can see from here. We need to get...
we hurry, <clears throat> as we often do, so carelessly through the stories of old that we miss the reality of the full orbed pathos that our, our heroes themselves experienced. Jesus knows that this is not his father. He knew at the age of 12, he said, well, I have to be about my father's business. But there was a bond, there was a tie, there was a clasp between the silent hero of Christmas named Joseph and the heart and the mind of the Messiah named Jesus. And what is the shining truth that emerges from this silent hero's life this Christmas? I tell you, my friends, it is the astounding truth that when God had a stepfather, He proved there is not an awkward family arrangement that God cannot embrace and transform into a gateway to heaven itself. Talking with a young husband not too long ago who wondered aloud if his marriage could possibly survive, I tell you there is not an awkward family arrangement that God cannot embrace and transform into a gateway to heaven. Visiting not too long ago with a young single mother who wonders, does God have a plan for my life and the life of my child? There is not an awkward family arrangement that God cannot embrace and transform into a gateway, a gateway to eternity. Of course, Joseph and Mary, don't you think they had to work at that marriage? He's an older man. She's a teenager. She married into a ready-made family. She gets six-plus kids just like that. You can't help But believe that those step-siblings simply could not get along with little Jesus. I mean, it would only be natural that when their father marries a woman already great with child, it would only be natural for those family tensions and jealousies. And by the way, the conduct of Joseph's children toward Jesus when he's adult is evidence enough that he suffered much as a child at their hands and at their tongues. It was neither a James Dobson marriage, nor was it a James Dobson family. It was a Joseph and Mary marriage, and a Jesus and James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and sisters kind of family. I.e., a family as average as yours and mine. And yet a marriage and a family God personally picked and God humbly joined. Wow! I guess the story of Christmas really is good news for all our families. Amen.